0: everyone, thanks for joining us. My name is Emily Bothell, and I am the Senior Associate Transportation Planner for the MPO of Johnson County. Um, for those of you that are unfamiliar with the MPO, we are a federally mandated transportation programming and policy-making organization for the county. Um, we channel federal funding for transportation projects and programs to our local entities. And we also take part in local programming and planning for our area, excuse me, trails, um, transit and bike and ped facilities. Um, So to find out more about our organization, please visit our website. I did post that in the chat box Um, or feel free to reach out to Sarah Walls or myself. Um, With that, I'm going to pass it over to my colleague, Sarah Walls, who's going to talk more about the Trails to Table Challenge.
1: Hi, I'm Sarah Walls. I'm an associate transportation planner with the um, MPO. And uh, uh, a little bit about the Trails to chal- uh, to Table Challenge. Um traditionally, this time of year, the, the communities that we represent, and that's Iowa City, Coralville, North Liberty, University Heights, Tiffin, and as well as the University of Iowa, we've always um, for the last 10 years, we've had this friendly competition between community staffs where Um, each staff would fundraise for a charity and we gave a prize for the community that improved over the previous year the most we gave a little trophy and uh, this year due to COVID um, that has been hard for the communities to do because so many people are working remotely and so the MPO said well um, we have a thought Um, one of the things that we do as the MPO is we do trail counts and we noticed that this year the trail counts not surprisingly were way up because people were really turning to the trails um, as, as you know, uh, gyms were closed, school was out. And so that was a safe place to be. And we really wanted to push that and get people to continue out, being out there and exploring new trails because we know right now, um, well, we're all feeling a little bit stressed but there is a real mental health crisis. And we know that um, out on the trails, being outside is the safest place to be. You can be together and you can be social Um, you have to be physically separated and wear a mask, but um, you don't have to be socially isolated. So we really wanna encourage people to take to the trails. And then um, as part of that charity challenge that we normally did, um, most of our communities gave to their local food pantries. That's the food pantries in North Liberty, in Coralville and Iowa city. And so we said, let us, as we're going along touring the trails and giving people ideas on routes to take and fun things to see on the trails, um, we'll encourage people to give to the food pantries. So that's the tra- Trails to Table Challenge. And we, um, one of the things we, to really make this work, what would really help us is any of you that are watching or who are interested um, is really for you on your social media to post as you're out on the trails and you're enjoying things. You have you probably have favorite bridges that you cross or favorite trees or, or benches or something. Um, to take pictures of of those things, selfies, whatever, and encourage other people to get out there. And then if you would hashtag trails and the number two table, um, it helps us. We're kind of going to use it to sort of uh, get a sense of where people are out and about and what things are inspiring to people on the trails. So um, that's my plug for the Trails to Table Challenge. And I hope you'll um, consider donating. Um, We provide, I think Emily provided a a link in the chat box to our donation um, link, and all of the money goes to the food banks, 100%. So um, so today, um, one of the challenges, obviously, in the winter is getting yourself motivated to get out there, um, um, knowing how to dress um, and what uh, routes to take, what trails are the best. And I couldn't think of uh, better groups to do it for us and also with mental health as a focus than, um, Uh, the Iowa City Trail Sisters and Girls on the Run, um, two great organizations that are all about motivation, confidence, making friends, um, helping people through the struggle. And we have a struggle ahead of us us for the winter. So um, this is gonna be a great opportunity for all of us to learn more. And so our guests today are Kelly Teeslink, who's the head of Girls on the Run Eastern Iowa, I'm sure you have a more formal title than that, Kelly. And um, I know our other guests are involved with that organization as well, as well as Iowa City Trail Sisters. And we have Robin Colvin and Carolyn Buckingham as well. And so they are gonna um, take us through um, kind of a guide to winter running slash walking and hiking. So take it away, gals.
2: All right, I guess I am going to start. <laughs> my name is Carolyn Buckingham. Um, and my journey to a, becoming a regular runner, um, I guess started in high school. I was on the track team and ran off and on, um, but then re- running regularly didn't really start happening until after my kiddos were born. And I started joining moms with strollers and um, running around Iowa City with strollers. and. Um, In that process, I met some great new friends and um, was convinced to do my first ultra marathon 50K three years ago. Um, And uh, by running trails and training for that race, I met a lot of the trail sisters and um, officially started streaking with the trail sisters, meaning I ran every week um, for 17 weeks, I wanna say last year um and really made great friends with Kelly and Robin and um a bunch of other lovely women and um now I guess I'm trying to uh get motivated through the winter and this pandemic to train for my first 50 mile race um in the spring so that's a little bit about me
3: All right, and Carolyn will be joining me as a co leader um, for the uh, Iowa City trail sisters as well. Um, So, my introduction um, is uh, not, not so. Uh, different uh, a running journey from Carolyn. I started running in college and I, I couldn't find any pictures of me and my like cotton t-shirts and all this other stuff that I used to run in like all these decades ago. Um, but I became probably more serious about my running, uh, you know, kind of as my kids were born and then uh, ran all the way through my pregnancy with my fourth and final kid. Um, and then after that um, uh, became even more serious about um, my training and um, both in terms of like how fast I was going and in terms of how far I was going. So the middle picture is from me uh, at uh, one of my uh, favorite uh, races ever, a 50 miler um, on, a, on a lovely converted rails to trails in uh, Illinois. And, um, and then the last one is, is of me on uh, my favorite non Iowa trail uh, in Sedona. So that was really
0: fun. All right, I am next my name is Kelly T Slank. I am uh, the executive director of girls on the run of Eastern Iowa and one of the founders of Iowa City Trail Sisters. Um, Iowa City Trail Sisters was founded as a local running group for women back in 2017. So we had our three-year anniversary this past summer. Um, And it was brought to fruition really as a way to introduce women to the trails, to give them a place and a time to go where they knew they wouldn't be left behind in a group run or anything like that. It wasn't about speed, it was about Connection um, with each other and with the t- trails. And so, the, um, people like Robin and Carolyn, we've had an awesome group of women. You know, kind of come in and out. Some for the entire three years. Some pop in when they can. You know, schedules get busy. Um, but it's been, you know, before COVID, anyways. We were always going to be on a trail on Thursdays. So it's been a, a really awesome community to be part of. Uh, My running journey started when I was 23. I did the Couch to 5k program, um, like many do. And I found myself, you know, after college, just not feeling very good about myself and my habits uh, and use Couch to 5k as a way to ease into a sport that I had failed miserably at many times before. Um, If you've... If you share that experience, it does get easier. I think, you know, I always assumed if I can go on an elliptical for 30 to 60 minutes, that means I should be able to run for 30 to 60 minutes, but it really doesn't translate. And once you realize that and kind of ease into it, um, it's a a much better way to go. So I suggest that if you are one of those struggling with getting into running, um, after I did Couch to 5K, it was kind of a snowball effect. Uh, signed up for a 5K, signed up for a half marathon, signed up for a marathon, and then eventually discovered the trails and just really fell in love. It's it's you know it's all running, but the trail running is different than road running, and they both have their their you know their perks and their their pros and cons. But I really fell in love with um, the sport of trail running and a lot of ultra marathons, like Robin and Carolyn were talking about, are on the trails. And so it was just kind of a um, natural progression, I guess, for me to continue to snowball into those distances. Um, I signed up for my first 50K. I ran that in 2013 and also ran my first 50 miler in 2013. Um, and that led to 100 mile races. Um, and ran my first 100 mile trail race in 2015. Um, and since then have completed 500 mile, five 100 mile races, not a 500 mile race. I just want to clarify that. Um, and yeah, it has been a joy to run trails for that long. Cause you get to see amazing things. Um, I've run up on the superior hiking trail. I've gotten to see a hundred miles of the superior hiking trail in one shot. Um, trail running has also taken me to places like uh, the Grand Canyon Um, and that picture on the right that's a picture from when I did Rim to Rim to Rim so starting at the south going south rim going to the north rim and back Um, a beautiful way to see one of the most magical places on earth so definitely running has brought me to some beautiful places Um, and unfortunately or fortunately you know winter is part of training and I think with our experience we'll be able to give you all some tips on um, on how to survive and maybe even thrive in winter running so I am going to pass it over to Robin who is going to start by talking a little bit about dressing for winter and I will say in our Trail Sisters Facebook group this question gets asked a lot. There's always somebody wanting to know how to dress for winter and what our favorite gear is. So we'll cover that in our next couple slides.
3: Okay, so this is so totally true. There's no such thing as bad weather. There's just bad gear. Um, and I also, as a long time, you know, Iowan, the native Iowan my whole life, right? Like, I just know that, like, you can always put more clothes on. So I will run when it is well below zero. I will run when it is, like, slightly over 100. And that's a lot of, like, weather to cover. We're just going to cover the winter part. And as you know, like, even here recently, like, Winter weather can mean a lot of different things, right? It can be sixty, which is I, I, that that can be winter in Iowa, and it can be like fifty below wind chill, right? And I won't run when the weather person tells me I shouldn't be outside, um, and I won't run on ice, but I'll run in anything in between which means there is a wide range of clothing. And so that means I have this huge pile of clothes that I'm gonna kind of show you um, and I'm gonna talk about some other things. But here's one of my like key takeaways from the clothing section is that your clothing needs are gonna be unique. So even if I might throw out like a temperature for you, like there's a whole like variety in there. So we see some people we know very intimately um, running in shorts only And there's snow on the ground right and you can see people in the background that are wearing you know normal clothing, you can see somebody who's completely geared up one of our dear trail sisters Julie um, over there on the left uh, and one of our other friends and he's in shorts right so. and and it's clearly snowing. Uh, so you can guess that it's, you know, 32 or below probably. And that's not just true for these guys. And we're going to talk about women's clothes, but that doesn't mean that like these like principles don't apply across the board. Um, if you're a guy watching, we're the trail sisters, but we're very aware of our misters. Um, and we're not covering sports bras today. So if you want to have that conversation, we can chat about it another time. But you can see these pictures of my friend Kate and I. And we're obviously running in the same temperatures, but we're wearing very different clothes. Uh, Kate probably has on three layers in both of them, you know, full headgear. The top picture, I'm wearing shorts Um, and uh, in the bottom one, you know, she's got this full on head thing. So um, everybody uh, is different in terms of how they do with the temperatures. So this is going to be one of those things where, you know, take away, like, what are the mix and match items that are really good, and then figure out what temperatures those work for you. Because you can absolutely Google these really nice, like, diagrams of in the 30s, wear this, in the 40s, wear this, and, you know, in the 10s, wear this, Um, but it may not apply to you, and it can change Within like for the individual, um, so like I'm wearing a little less clothing this year because I'll bl- I could blame it on COVID, but really it's you know like some eating choices and some injuries that like disrupt things, and so I've gained a little weight. Um, as have many good people this year, so uh, I'm I'm wearing even less than I normally would, and so I have to adjust my temperature gauge. Okay, next slide. So. Close First, I'm going to cover the tops. So we'll talk about jackets, vests, shirts, and base layers, with the key word being layers. So as Kelly mentioned, like this tr- this question comes up a lot in Trail Sisters and in other any other running groups that you might find. Um, people ask that, um, and you will find so many people that are happy to mentor you um, on a group basis and on an individual basis uh, through the winter weather. So one of my friends, and I kind of designated ourselves last winter as um, a mentor for another one of our uh, trail sisters who we got running through the entire winter, um, but we would text her when key gear was on sale and things like that so so that she could um, stock up and, and get herself through through last winter and so hopefully you guys can all do the same thing. So. Um, on the in on the trail sisters website we have um i you know just noticed a few things and like there are kind of recurrent themes throughout um the information and like i said that temperature issue is not necessarily the like most helpful piece. Um, Like, so if somebody says in the 30s and 40s, I wear such and such, that's less helpful. But what it is, what is helpful is to know, like, what are some of the, like, the good pieces to have um, and um, how to put those together. So, um, so like for shirts, um, I'll pull up a couple shirts. So, you know, having technical long sleeve shirts, um, perhaps you've gotten them at races, things like this, um, you know, that are just this regular like wicking material. Those are nice um, to have for a variety of temperatures, you can layer those um, and you can layer them with. Um, it's really nice to have at least one three-quarter zip. This one has a hood, and I'm wearing it in that picture there, um, just from last week. Uh, and so it's nice to have that zip. You know, can, you can go up and down and get yourself some extra ventilation. And this one is about the same. You know, kind of wicking. Material and weight as that other one. And so, for a lot of people, they find that that's nice, maybe in like, you know, the 30s. um, And that's probably what I wore it for. But I will tell you, I wore this combo just about an hour and a half ago, and with the sun. It was hot, so an, another thing to like think about is not only what's the like absolute temperature, um, but is it sunny out or not? Um, because the sun can make that it, you make you feel definitely hotter. Or is it windy? And I will tell you that I try to dress for the temperature, the actual temperature, rather than the wind chill. But then I'll notice like, okay, and it's windy. So what am I gonna do about that? Um, And so that's where um, vests and jackets start to come into play. So this is like a vest that I really like. It's made by Wazelle and it's just a thin material. So it doesn't do a ton for warmth, um, but it's just enough to kind of break the wind a little bit. Um, And so I might add that when it's like, say, 35 and windy and I've got like, you know, maybe uh, a a long sleeve shirt on and then I'll put it over it. Um, And and that's kind of nice for me. Um, And then if it's a little bit colder, maybe I'll put on, this is a super popular item amongst the Trail Sisters the Patagonia Houdini. Like so many of us have them that one of these days we, we're going to take a rainbow shot um, of all the different colors that people are wearing. Um, and they're nice to buy on sale because they're, they're, they're not cheap. But you know Patagonia is a great brand. It lasts forever. And they have like a really good um, uh, environmental stance. So anyway, but it's thin. And it's also just good for that, that wind um, when you don't need more warmth but you just want to block a little bit of wind. Um, and the uh, another vest that I have uh, is that one that I'm wearing in the picture. So it's nice to um, put on a vest as it gets colder. And so this is um, a smart wool one and it's the vest version. I'm wearing it in the picture. You can see it better there, but you can see that it has like a little bit of like more padding. Um, it's nice and forgiving with some stretch on the sides. And you can see that, um, Uh, one of our uh, very active uh, trail sisters, Christy, is wearing the jacket version of that. And so that adds like a really nice extra layer of warmth um, as the temperatures start to drop. So I'll wear a vest like this um, in the upper twenties to mid thirties, especially if it's not uh, sunny. Um, And then, I think another thing to keep in mind, and then I'll talk about as it gets colder, a couple other uh, cold weather items here, Um, but I've mentioned the word layers a lot. Um, And I think I said tuck in your layers uh, as you can see that because that will actually make a huge difference. So regardless of the material you're wearing, like if it's pulling up and back and you're getting cold, um, it's also just really nice to avoid a cold belly. Um, So a lot of this is about keeping your core warm. Um, and so that's why vests are so nice. Um, and because, you know I for me, like I'm you know, I could have one layer on on my arms and be just fine as long as my core is warm. The only disadvantage to vests is that you, probably shouldn't experiment with a vest until um you're you're a little bit more confident of like what your temperature needs are because um other than this like white one that i have that was out that like it it will pack up into this little thing that actually i can strap on my arm Um, but you can't tie it around your waist if you get hot so unless you want to carry your vest around that that's one to be a little bit more confident on and that's why jackets and layers of different um Weights of shirts are really important. So, um, other nice things shirt wise. um, So, we think about like, um, you know, layering long sleeve shirts, or I'll maybe layer a long sleeve shirt over a short sleeve shirt. Um, if it's you know pretty warm or I think I might get hot like yesterday uh, it was sunny and nice in the middle of the day and you know 40ish and so I wore a long sleeve shirt over a short sleeve shirt so that if I got hot I could just tie that around my waist Um, but as the temperature drops you'll want some maybe some thicker shirts so I like this one here it has like a nice turtle neck and then it I can pull it up over my face if i get cold this is an under armor product and a lot of trail sisters um in our website on the site when we talk about different brands that people like i mean people do really like under armor products um amongst others um for like uh both pants and tops so this is nice and it has these little hand things so tops with hand things that you can stick your some out are super nice and handy and keep your hands warm um, with a shirt. Um, and Carolyn will talk about other gear later. Um, also, um, an important thing to know about besides the layers is materials do matter. So you want technical fabrics, not just regular cotton, um, if you can locate those and that's really easy to do at a variety of price points. Um, and I will say that like, uh, like we were talking about like, uh, this I bought on clearance. <laughs> it's. Um, actually what brand is it this is icebreaker wool but icebreaker smart wool they're really great um wool products and so wool that isn't itchy um is just so great for physical activity um for a variety of reasons um that I, i won't go into but like uh time and time again when people like think about uh the material that they're wearing most of us will say have wool layers um and like i said we texted one of our friends when the icebreaker was on clearance and so that's that was a really good time to get some um so because uh one thing that does that people repeatedly say in our trail sisters thing about the clothing is to buy it um one when it's on sale or just to acknowledge that some of these things are expensive they're an investment but then they will last you for so so long so like for example um, this is my favorite quarter zip I wear it in the teens and 20s and you saw it in those other pictures it's Nike I have had this thing for over 10 years Um, so if if you're scared of it think about how long it's going to last you and then just wear it again and again and again. And I'm not going to smell this because it probably doesn't smell very good. But that's one of the things I love about my trail sisters—they don't care if I stink. Um, and I'm warm. So, there's that. Um, I've showed you some, uh, like, uh, some. I've shown you some vests. I've shown you some shirts. Um, like I said, that you can layer, and those are kind of like insulating layers. But you also, there's this thing that um, is. Uh, Really important to know about when it gets super cold and that's a base layer and I will probably only add like a base layer when it gets down into the single digits or below zero. So that for me might mean three layers a base layer. Uh, like an insulating layer and then a jacket or vest depending on how cold um, it actually is with or without wind chill. So. F- so that can be a variety of things. Most people like wool. I have this, I have two of these that I really like. They're from Athleta. Um, and they're just a nice, you know, uh, option. Cause like I said, I don't feel like I need extra stuff on my arms. I just need my core to be warm. Um, and so I'll maybe have, if it was below zero I would put on this and some wool. And Uh, a jacket that I wasn't so sure I was going to love when I got it as a Christmas gift, probably like 12 years ago, seriously, so long ago. Um, It's North Face. Uh, I think my husband got it at Finn and Feather for me. And um, this would go over those two layers. It's Thick, but it's stretchy. It's not very wind resistant. And so I would consider putting like, you know, if it was really windy, I would maybe put like my wind resistant vest um, either over it or underneath it um, as a layer. But I love this. Um, And so you want to find a jacket that you feel like you can sweat in and um, that has some give for your layers. And, uh that's a good item to have uh be good quality and like i said then once you have it 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 lasts for forever okay so that's down in that corner that's actually me uh down in that corner i'm i'm cross country skiing but i the this is the important thing because we're talking about running but like it's running walking hiking cross country skiing a lot of the clothing is really similar so um I covered a ton of information on tops, but I am going to talk a little less about bottoms. So Kelly, if you can forward real quick for me. Okay, so same principles apply um you want to have a range of things available um and uh again it's highly individualized so you can see me down in that corner uh it was 35 degrees that morning at the beginning of my 50 miler i'm wearing like my little houdini and i'm wearing shorts and you can see there is one dude in front of me also wearing shorts so i was not the only person but you can see most everybody else is completely covered and and layered but they all had to take a ton of stuff off and i had my legs just don't get that cold, so you can also see me running in capris in the snow. Um, so I, you know, I, I just tolerate that, and I'm kind of known for showing up. Like, how low will the temperature be before Robin gets rid of shorts or capris and actually moves to pants? So, um, so shorts. So I'll wear shorts uh, in all kinds of temperatures down into the 30s, but mostly I drop shorts after the 40s. Um, And then I moved to capris, um, which I have all kinds of crazy capris, capris. This is Kelly's favorite. So that's why I show them clearance. And they're awesome. And they've lasted for forever. Um, Now, when the temperatures drop down into the 20s, that's when I start to move to longer pants. So I have this pair that I got on a clearance rack at TJ Maxx. And they're awesome. And I wear these in the teens and 20s. So they're full length all the way down to my ankles. Um, And then as it gets colder, um, I'll start wearing thicker uh, pants. So this is a pair from Moving Comfort and they're fuzzy inside um, and you can't see them. They're not actually um, tights. They are more of a pant, but they're stretchy. And as long as I wear uh, warm enough socks, uh, I really like these uh, down into, oh, teens probably. Um, to single digits is when I start wearing, wearing even thicker uh, pants. So I have, this is my favorite color of green and they're fleecy inside. They're not a fleece because fleece like would let too much wind in, um, but they're fleecy. Um, and so I'll start adding thicker uh, fleecier pants down into the single digits. Same thing with these that they're they're fleecy inside. Um, but again, the, the downside to tights, even when they're fleecy inside and nice and warm, and maybe even you double them up is that they're not very wind resistant. So last year I did finally invest in um, a pair of these Arct- Arcteryx, uh, I got them at, uh, Active Endeavors and I'm, they were like, it was super exciting. They have Gore-Tex and, you know, I, I run outside and it's below zero and I cross country ski when the weather allows. And so for me, it was worth um, investing in these because they are uh, windproof pants and then I can put them on over a pair of tights. So in the single digits, I would maybe wear that kind of plum colored jacket these over like a thin pair of tights um, or like uh, kind of running long underwear that was either made of wool or like a, a silk sort of product. Um, and then, like I said, that, that core layer, an insulating layer and so forth. And then, and then I would also pair it with all sorts of other accessories. And that is when we move to Carolyn, who's gonna talk
2: about all the fun accessories. I don't have as many things to show and tell, but um, I have a few things here, Um, and I just want to reiterate what Robin said about um, the investment in gear. A lot of my, um, you know, wool layers, especially, are you know, are 14, 15 years old, and I've worn them so much. Just I lived in Alaska for five years, and I cross-country skied six months out of the year, Um, and they've lasted this long and I, I wear them every time I run in the winter and they're just, they don't stink. Um, and they're just, they're really warm and you can rewear them before you wash them a bunch of times. Um, but anyway, so just reiterating that it, if you're committed to the idea of, um, of running in the winter, the investment is worth it. Um, anyway, so just some basic accessories to keep yourself Warm. Robin did a great job covering all the clothes and the different layers. And and she's also right. It's just you know, depending on how your your whether you war, you run warm or run cold, you know, will just kind of dictate what you what you decide to wear. Um, but basics um, mittens um, are usually going to keep your hands a lot warmer than gloves. Um, and these particular mittens are the Gordini stash mittens um, that many trail sisters own, and they um, are warm. They're so warm that even at below zero temps, I end up having to take them off because my hands are kind of like my temperature regulator. Um, and then um, a hat. I usually wear an earband, just again, just because it's nice to have the um, to have the heat release, I guess. When you're running and work up a sweat, I'd rather have like my head releasing a bit of that heat rather than keeping it all in with a hat. But that said, if it's like below zero wind chills and that kind of thing, I might wear an earband and a hat. Um, I think in that picture of, of me down in the um, right-hand corner there, I have a hat, an earband on, and then my my headlamp. Um, and then what else? Wool socks, or a wool blend sock is usually um, the best. I Go to Costco every year, and I get one of those five or six packs of women's wool blend socks, um, and they work the best for me anyway. You, you might have, you might want to run in cotton socks if that's your jam, but I would recommend wool socks because it'll definitely keep your feet warmer, and they're more, um, your feet would be more resistant to blisters that way as well. Um, and then, neck gaiters or buffs. These are also COVID-friendly these days, because if you're passing somebody on a trail, you can pull them up over your nose and mouth. Um, a lot of races give them out now. So this is just a really thin, um, I don't even know what kind. Of, is it a cotton? I don't even know what is it. It's, like a, it's a synthetic blend, I think. Um, so I have a bunch of these that I wear. And I will wear these as earbands too. Um, But I also have thicker neck gaiters, like wool ones or even fleece ones for when it's colder. Um, And then finally, shoes. Um, When it's snowy out, I tend to wear my trail shoes, which gives you a little extra grip, um, whether you're running on pavement or on trails, just because um, if the the trails aren't plowed right away or whatever, it's just nice to have that extra grip. Right now, you know, I ran along the river this morning and it's totally clear. So I just wore regular running shoes. Um, and then there are times when it's really icy and trail shoes won't do anything for you. So um, I think Kelly will talk more about what you can do for your shoes. Um, other than I, me personally, if it's icy, I, I, I've actually put screws into my shoes um, and that'll give you a lot of traction on the ice. But um, I'll just turn it over to Kelly because she'll she'll talk a little bit more about that kind of stuff.
0: Thanks, Carolyn. Um, I'm gonna talk a little bit about just a couple gear pieces that might make running in the winter a bit easier. Um, So first off, uh, a headlamp, you can see in many of the pictures that we have been showing you of our group runs, we wear headlamps because um, especially in the winter, there is a lot more dark that you may, be, you may be running in. So obviously a headlamp is gonna provide light for you so you can see where you're running, especially if you're on the trail, that's pretty important. Um, but it also provides visibility. Um, so other cars you know, and other folks can, can see you too. Um, So a lot of varieties of headlamps work. Many of us have splurged on some of the nicer ones because we do some of these races where you just want to know that you are going to have a reliable headlamp and you're not going to end up um, with a headlamp dying, you know, in the middle of a race. Um, I have come very close to that and I hope that um, I will never that will never happen again. (laughs) Um, But buying a nicer headlamp will will give you a little bit more confidence out there. Um, speaking of visibility, uh, buying pieces that have reflection on them is pretty important. Um, I think most like outerwear does come with reflective pieces, um, but you can also wear, um, you can buy things specifically to be seen. So you might see some of those gear items where you, it's just something that you put on top of what you're wearing. It's lightweight. It's not going to add any weight, um, but it, they might light up or it might be highly reflective. Um, I have something from a company called Wazell where you just put it right on top. It's like a little vest, but it has hardly any weight to it, but it makes you very, very bright, um, in, in lights. So Carolyn mentioned spikes. And so she mentioned, you know, when it's icy trail shoes, don't do anything. Um, one option is to put screws in the bottom of your shoes. I, I have that in one of um, my older pair of shoes. The other thing that I invested in um, just last winter, which I cannot believe it took me this long to get this piece of gear um, as I've been running through the winter for several years, is a pair of Cthulhu micro spikes. And so you can see in the bottom right-hand picture um, that is, I don't know if those are the actual Cthulhu micro spikes, but it's something very similar. I couldn't believe how well they worked. And I'm not saying I'm going out and sprinting across the ice or anything like that, but it makes running, um, easy running, really doable. And I was really impressed with how comfortable and confident I felt running on pretty icy paths and trails and things like that um, with the spikes. There's also like yak tracks, there's a lot of different variety. Um, I found that the Cotula micro spikes worked really, really well. Um, A couple other things that might make things more comfortable is having hand warmers on you. It doesn't really add a whole lot to just carry them, um, whether that's in a pocket or in a pack or anything like that. Um, You know, there's nothing worse than having cold hands on a run. Um, And for me, that's like the first thing to get cold. If you accidentally get your like, if you're running trails and there's a water crossing and you accidentally, some you know, you slip, I'm your hand in the water and now you've got a cold, wet glove. That's going to be miserable. So maybe having something on you that, in case something like that were to happen, or you know, temperatures and the weather can change so quickly that you know the wind can pick up and all of a sudden you're running, you're running in. 20 mile an hour winds and when you started it was was zero. So having th- those types of things um, is is pretty easy, but can provide a lot of comfort if needed. Um, for longer runs, you'll see a lot of folks running and running packs. so you can see that's a, a picture on the left is a race last a couple winters ago. Um, and you can see I'm wearing a pack so that's going to be nice to be able to carry water snacks and then any like extra layers so um, you know, Robin was talking about the Patagonia Houdini, and what's really nice and why it's called the Houdini is because it can pack up into itself. And it's like this big, it hardly weighs anything. So if I'm gonna be out, you know, running um, in winter temperatures for a long time, I'll stuff that in my pack. It doesn't add anything, um, but it just provides again, another layer of if needed, it's there, but it's not really, it's not really bothering me. Um, So to if you're running long, you obviously need water, even if it's cold out, you still need, you still need to be drinking water, even if you're not as thirsty. And so when you're running in really cold temperatures, there is the opportunity for your water to freeze. Um, so a couple ways to prevent that, um, start with a little bit warmer water. It'll just take that much longer to, to get, you know, to freeze and get cold up um, carry the bottles under a layer of clothing. So on that previous picture, I had my pack and my water. Maybe if it was really cold, I might have the Houdini over, um, the pack. So it's just, it's just keeping, keeping it warmer and closer to your body. Um, handhelds do work better than packs for keeping, um, water not frozen. You know, you're holding it in your hand. So it's, it's, Um, closer to your body and closer to your body temperature and just maybe a little bit more sloshing, I guess, than maybe if it was on your pack, although there's always going to be sloshing. Um, And I have never tried this trick before, but apparently a little alcohol in your water can go a long way in um, in keeping keeping your water fluid. Um, Never tried it myself, but um, that's what the internet says. So just a couple ways to um, keep your water not frozen, um, if you need it. Okay, I am going to pass it to Carolyn and she's gonna talk a little bit about trail etiquette specifically um, in the winter months.
2: Okay, you turn it to the next, oh, there we go. Okay, Um, so Robin and I talked a lot about cross country skiing. Um, We are lucky um, in Iowa City or in the Iowa City area that um, the Nordic Ski Club of Iowa City grooms a lot of local trails. They groom trails out at McBride, they groom trails at um, Kent Park, and at the Ashton Cross Country Course, and it's it's great, but um, people tend to walk on them, and so in the wintertime when you see these groomed trails, um, it, it's just a courtesy to not walk on those tracks because these volunteers are out there grooming those trails um, for people to ski. And also, like, you know, the last few winters, Iowa hasn't gotten that much snow. And so, when the, um, when the snow is good and they can get out there and can track those trails, it's like the real treat. So, um, so, use the trails for their intended use. Um, and if there are trail closures, you know, after the derecho happened in August, there were a lot of trail closures, um, and it's important to obey. Um, those closures um, just in case you know there could be hazards that um, could hurt you Um, so it's always a good idea to to obey those closures. Um, If trails are really muddy uh, the idea is to go through them rather than around them because when you're going around a muddy puddle on a trail you're going to widen that trail and kind of ruin the integrity of that trail so Um, wear appropriate shoes or or just don't care that your shoes are going to get muddy and and go right through that mud puddle. Um, uh, Pay attention to right-of-ways. If you're running or hiking um, on a hill and you are going uphill and someone's coming downhill, the person coming downhill has the right-of-way. And if you're coming up behind somebody, it's always a good idea to give them a heads up that you're passing them. Um, and, And just a couple COVID, um, I guess, etiquette, trail etiquette tips are, you know, you, you just want to give people space when you pass them on the trail and um, either carry a mask or a gator with you and put them up when you pass somebody. Um, it just, it, it makes other people on the trail or other trail trail users comfortable with other, other trail users. Um, and then if it's icy, and you don't have micro spikes or shoes, screws in your shoes, and it's probably not a good idea to to take that risk. Um, So yeah, I don't know if you guys have anything else to add to that. I
0: think you covered it.
2: All right, Robin. You're going to tell us how to stay motivated.
3: <laughs> I'm going to try because it can be hard. I, I have trouble getting motivated, so I know some of the things that I need. Um, and then I um, am very invested in other people staying motivated um, for a variety of reasons. Um, so I'll say one of the like important things uh, to do is to have. Um, Carrots, you know, sort of things that pull you to your winter physical activity Um, and for us, you know, and hopefully for many of you that's running. And then also uh, the elimination of what are the the impediments? What are the barriers to you getting out there? Um, And a lot of those have been covered today. So a top thing is just have reasons to run, have reasons. And that can just be because running is fun. And in the winter, snow is pretty and it is fun. Like So those are like good enough reasons right there. But for a lot of people, physical activity is about um, uh, they're being drawn to improve their health, Um, and improve their mental health and so if you'll just like indulge me for a minute because i am a medical doctor and a psychiatrist i think these are super important so i'm sure you know why it's good for your health but i'm going to reiterate it's good for your blood pressure it's good for your blood glucose it's good for weight management whatever that number is on the scale um these uh other things like your blood pressure, your heart rate, your blood sugar, those are super important numbers uh, for you and for your doctor. Um, exercise can actually also in the time of COVID, uh, it. it improves your uh, prognosis if you're physically active um, pre-illness and uh, there's a little bit of evidence that uh, being physically active and exercising can improve vaccination efficacy so there are lots of reasons to run for your physical health um, including um, covid specific Um, and then It's really well documented that exercise is good for your mental health. And a lot of people are doing that right now. And it's awesome. I definitely saw so many more people out on the trails uh, this past summer. Um, And I'm hoping to see lots of people. although not too many and not too close out there in the winter um, because it is so good for your mental health. Um, Exposure to the light is really important for your mood. Um, Physical activity um, is really important for your mood. And then um, something that's especially important to all of us in, in Trail Sisters um, is the community um, and we miss our community right now because we are not running together while COVID rates um, are uh, high um, and um, hopefully you know that will that will change over time and we've set some parameters for when we think it would be safe to engage in a group run together again but you know we still can see each other outside you know wearing masks being distanced you know in, in passing um but that community that we've developed—it's really, despite the fact that we haven't been running together regularly—stayed really strong. We're really good friends. We're um, very important um, accountability partners for each other. So help each other to stay motivated. Um, and we have, you know, found a variety of creative ways of getting around this. Either like finding really, really wide places to run masked, you know, with maybe one or two other people, or um, you know, I have uh, some of us have like sort of a System of people who we do phone runs with. So we pop in AirPods and, and chat while we're running um, because something that is really helpful for exercise period, whether it's walking or running or anything is having an accountability partner. Someone who helps to make sure that when it's 6 a.m. and it's cold and it's dark and it's two degrees out that you know that that person is waiting for you. Um, And that's like such a huge draw and such a huge benefit um, in terms of our our, uh, health and um, staying motivated. that said, there are other things that people find motivating. So having something to train for, and I will tell you like over the summer, I got like super unmotivated. And then the girls on the run had their virtual lucky 13. And cause I had really dropped back my mileage, um, after an injury. And that was like the, just the thing I needed to get myself back into the double digits. And it was just, it was a blast, uh, virtual runs there, virtual races. It's not the same as a big race, but they have a lot of advantages. Um, and so finding yourself a virtual race whatever distance that is can be super helpful whether it's a 5k a half marathon a 50k you know find just something that you want to do um and then uh find a training plan and go for it and find your support people. And the Trail Sisters, we're here to you know, be great support for women who wanna do this. Um, and then, like I said, just making sure that you have addressed the barriers. And that is what's so fantastic about this thing that we're doing today, is that we are talking about what to wear Um, and so having the right gear is going to make it so much easier to get out there because you'll step out the front door and yes you're going to be cold and that's what how it's supposed to feel for a little while until you get warmed up and then you figure out like okay am I dressed for the right temperature or am I actually too hot which totally can happen but having that gear makes it so much easier to be motivated and if that's cute gear that like Matches and makes you happy, then 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 that's something that motivates you out uh, for sure. Um, and then also knowing that you're going to have a safe run, so that's the lights. That's what the city is like thank goodness doing for us. They're making sure that all these trails um, are more, even more accessible this winter because they're gonna be um, shoveling them. Um, that's one more barrier eliminated, um, which means it's just that much easier to get out there and should also help you to stay motivated. So that's what I'm gonna say about that. So I think at this point, we're gonna talk about what are some great places to go run yeah.
0: Sarah, are we good on time?
3: We probably need a couple t- minutes for...
0: Oh, Sarah, you're muted. Sarah, you're muted.
1: We did have a question that sort of relates to what Robin was talking about. Someone had asked, how do you get back uh, motivation after injury and fear of re-injury is a factor. Um,
3: Did you want to take that one, Robin? I was just going to say, we've all been injured. Who wants to take it?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, I I think we've all been through our fair share of injuries. And it's just, unfortunately, it's part of being a runner, typically. I think the motivation piece um, after you've been injured and that, you know, being nervous about being re-injured. One thing after I I'm injured, it's usually because I, it's an overuse injury or it's, you know, it's something that I, I did to myself because I just didn't know any better. But the awesome thing about having an injury is you get to know about that injury pretty well. And I, I do think that if If you're educating yourself and you're taking those steps, so for instance, I had this nagging hamstring injury forever, Um, and working with a PT, I realized that it was because my my glutes were weak, and so I spent now I spend a lot of time strengthening my glutes and activating my glutes, and I've you know I haven't had that that injury. Um, since then. So hopefully, when you do injure yourself, you have learned why it happened. And then you can take the steps to prevent it moving forward. And as Robin said, having something to train for, um, having that, that, you know, that carrot, if you will, is really helpful, even if it's a a virtual race. Um, like Robin said, you can make it what you want, essentially, and, if, and especially if you put your goal out there, if maybe you share it with a few friends or you start training with a few friends, um, that can that can certainly help. I don't know if Robin, Carolyn, if you have anything to add to that. So, any other questions, Sarah? I think we can, why don't you guys
1: talk about your favorite trails and then we'll come back to questions. We we might have one or two
0: others. Okay, awesome. So let's see. I think we are starting with Ro- or with Carolyn. Oh, there's right. a Trail Sisters warm-up party. <laughs> oh wait, oh. it's Robin. I'm sorry. <laughs>
3: That's okay, it didn't get moved, but this is totally flexible. So uh, everybody gets um, a favorite trail, although this this can be a hard one, but for me, like it's naturally, I I live less than 0.1 miles from one of the entrances to Hickory Hill Park and Hickory Hill Park is a place that Trail Sisters runs in at least once a week sometimes we would run twice a week sometimes we'd even run three times a week in this park um, and there's so many dis- different distances you can do to um, connect those and as you can see it is um, uh, we've uh, we designated this one best sunrise um, there's lots of um, different bests that one can come up with and and uh, Hickory Hill Park has best sunrise for us um, and that's true in the summer but you can also see in, in that thing that that's also true in in the winter and like there's nothing like sparkly Hickory Hill Park uh, with the sun on it in the morning so
2: that is my personal favorite. Yeah uh, Robin and I had to virtually arm wrestle for Hickory Hill because I will <laughs> I will say that Hickory Hill is is my favorite as well because it's pretty close to my house and um, I run in there most days of the week um, but when Hickory Hill is icy in the winter time um, the Iowa River Corridor Trail and City Park and the Court Hill Trail are all really great options, especially because they're cleared in the winter. Um, and these are just a few pictures, like I said before, when I started running again, I, I started running with my kids in, in the stroller. And so these trails were really great for stroller running. So that's a picture there of the Iowa River Corridor Trail and then us on the bridge. And then that other one is that Court Hill Trail. And... Um, I use those. Like I said, I ran on the Iowa River Corridor Trail this morning um, just because it's nice and clear, and I can wear my my normal running shoes, and I don't have to wear my trail shoes. So, um, and and oh, I think we designated City Park and um, the Corridor Trail as best place to see eagles in the winter. <laughs> oh, Squire Point and Woodpecker is also another great a great trail. Um, and Trail Sisters has some runs out there as well. Um, there's a bunch of different loops you can do and so you can get a variety of mileages out there. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just a really nice, a nice trail with lots of great views.
0: And my vote goes to what we kind of call McBride. It's actually made up of two different park systems, um, Lake McBride State Park and then the McBride Nature Recreation um, or McBride Nature and Recreation Area, MNRA. So you can see this overview map of the trails and and how they're connected and and why I chose Lake McBride or McBride, I guess, the trail systems out there is my favorite um, is that there are a ton there's a ton of variety so on one side um at the state park side you know you've got more of a flat flat trail that's really good for beginners. It's really good for people who are worried about getting lost on a trail (laughs) um, because it's really hard to do out there. Um, That's where we like to introduce people to the trails that maybe don't haven't done a ton of hill work or anything like that, or they're a little bit nervous um, about being on the trail. So that's a really good beginner. It also is very wide. So if you're looking for some some trails that are a little bit wider during this COVID time. um, That works really well. And then on the other side of the state park, the MNRA, there's a lot of um, awesome dirt trails, a lot of good variety. You've got some grass loops, you've got some dirt hills, um, and they're connected by the spillway, which is right here. If you can see where I'm pointing. Um, so what's with the variety, what's also nice is you can get a lot of miles out there or you can get a little miles out there. You can kind of, it's with my go-to for long runs, training for longer races. Um, and then this is the MNRA side is a place that gets groomed for, um, for, um, skis. So it's something to be aware of out there. Um, but I have enjoyed many runs at, at McBride. Um, and then next up, if we have time, we're just going to give a few updates on what's going up on with girls in the run and with Trail sisters. Just want to make sure that we're good on time or we just want to check in on that before we move forward. Okay. I just
1: had one question from someone that said, I just started running longer distances five to six miles. I don't know where to start in terms of carrying water and sustenance. Any advice?
0: Um, like clothes, <laughs> uh, I feel like hydration is also a pretty, um, you know, personal type. Um, you can- be drinking to thirst, which can be hard in the winter, I would say. Um, I would say once you're running more than like 90 minutes, depending on the weather, like sometimes if it's really hot, like I'll take water out for a, a short run. But once you're eking into that 90-minute that window, I would say that bringing water is a good idea. And if you are, let's say you go out for a 75-minute run and you realize, wow, I'm really thirsty. Then you know for next time that maybe 75 minutes is your kind of um your window for that and I go by minutes versus miles because you know six miles on the trails versus six miles on roads is much different trail running is going to be one to two minutes slower um for your pace so I just I kind of talk in minutes for that but I don't know if Robin or Carolyn if you had a any different suggestions for water
3: um, just a, a, a couple of things. One, I mean, look, you know, look at your urine when you get back. And like, if, if it's really like dark and concentrated, then that might tell you that like, either you need to prehydrate more, or it would be a good idea to ta- take some fluids. And then also, as you start adding um, more distance, like Kelly said, that beyond that 90 minute range, that might be sometime when Um, If I'm looking ahead to like, you know, a half marathon and I need to practice with um, electrolyte fluid or gel. um, So even if maybe I'm out for like, you know, just if I'm out for something that's over 60 minutes and I know I need to practice, I may start, you know, practicing just getting my gut ready to be able to like navigate what that feels like. So depending on how often you're going to be doing that during a race.
2: I was just going to say I'm someone that likes to carry water um, and for, you know, like Kelly said, you know, maybe up to 90 minutes, I would bring my handheld water bottle. You can get them, you know, at any sporting goods store or on Amazon for you know, 20 to $30 and they usually have a little pocket in there and you could bring a granola bar with you and just kind of like test out how, how you feel and whether you feel like you need fuel um, and that kind of thing. It's a good way to start out.
1: So why don't we go ahead with your looking ahead, because I know things are changing for you all.
0: <laughs> yeah, so at Girls on the Run, just for those who are not familiar, um, we are an after school program for girls in third to eighth grade. And typically we host our programming at schools. Um, we use running to teach girls life skills, so social, emotional lessons, um, things um, and tools to give them the confidence to be who they are and embrace who they are and others around them. So we use running and physical activity to do that. Um, so as you may have guessed, um, hosting after-school programming in schools during a pandemic um, has certainly forced us to change the way um, that we serve girls for the time being. Uh, this past fall season we were able to serve about 170 girls um, at 20 different sites and so we were able to do that through a combination of virtual programming uh, mostly in the Iowa City School District Um, and in some of our more rural communities we were able to serve at the schools you know is a much smaller some some of those smaller communities Um, so we changed um, a bit of the way that we run our programs, we had smaller teams, Um, we changed all the activities where, you know, like no human knots, (laughs) things like that, making sure that um, all the girls had enough space, wearing masks, things were staying sanitized and um, all those um, guidelines and things like that. So looking ahead to spring, we learned a lot in our fall season um, and we're excited to continue to empower girls this spring. Um, We're trying to push back our season as much as possible. We're starting March 29th um, with the end date of May 22nd. And so we are in the um, early stages of planning of what that looks like, um, trying to have conversations with schools, but with so much Unknown about us being allowed in an on-school property. We're also looking at alternative sites. So hosting um, in Iowa City parks or some community centers and things like that. So next month um, we will be starting to secure um, and recruit volunteer girls in the run coaches who are essentially the backbone of our organization. They are the ones that are teaching the girls in the run curriculum that are on the ground, empowering these girls. Um, so we look forward to a um, successful spring season. And then we really can't wait for our fall season when hopefully things are even more back to normal. But we we're excited about empowering girls this, um, this spring. And you can find more information about us being for um, coaching at girlsinruniowa.org. And then I believe Carolyn is going to talk a bit about, you know, what we're doing for Trail Sisters and and Robin.
2: Robin, I might let you take this one to talk about about what's happening going forward.
1: Oh, so
3: I didn't know I was taking this, but I'm happy to. (laughs) talk about it just briefly you know so i mean we have a tentative return to run plan as you know people get vaccinated and um and things like that but i think you know i i think we're kind of Rates are approaching where we think that it might be reasonable for us to start small group runs again, Um, but I'm uh, recommending that we wait until after um, we see the effects of the holiday season because obviously vaccinations have only just started. Um, And for example, I'm a medical, Uh, physician, but uh, I don't even know when I'm getting vaccinated. So this may all take a while for us to feel like we can do this again, this picture, right. Um, But uh, we um, Uh, remain a really good uh, resource. We're having a, we've actually um, put together our own virtual run um, to keep ourselves motivated um, at a variety of distances and we'll be utilizing all of the Iowa City trail system from the far southern end all the way to the Northern end, you know, moving into Coralville, North Liberty. So we're really excited about that. And uh, yeah, we just hope any, you know, women runners who are interested in learning more about the trails um, in whatever way we can teach them virtually and eventually in person uh, will find us through Facebook and um, Iowa City Trail Sisters. And if you're not on Facebook, there are other ways of finding us. Uh, so um, through the uh, larger Trail Sisters organization, there's a, a platform that is not on Facebook um, that can connect you to us as well.
1: Great. Well, thank you so much. We're about out of time, but I do really, especially for those, the person who was asking questions about um, getting motivated after being um, injured, Trail Sisters is a really great organization. I haven't run with them lately, but I have in the past, and they're very supportive of every uh, speed, every age, and so that's what really makes it fun, is it's such a mix of people. It You guys make it sound like it's very elite and I know that you do some very elite things, but it's a very friendly, casual environment, I would say very supportive. Um, And I want to remind everybody about the Trails to Table Challenge. We would love if you would post on your social media, again, your favorite trail runs your things you observe along the trail with that hashtag trails to table. Um, and you can find us at mpojc.org or, or look for us under the Trails to Table um, on Facebook. And we are, we are posting lots of maps, videos, photos. Um, we're uploading those maps to our website as well. But some of the trails that you mentioned today, the, um, the uh, let's see, the, the Iowa River Corridor um, Trail, we just um, posted a nine mile, what we call the, um, the Blue Ribbon Loop that's a fun one to do on bike and and for runners or walkers as well. But we just wanna encourage everybody to get out there and stay active as best you can through the winter because outdoor is is the safest place to be. So thank you guys, really appreciate it. And we'll we'll be um, putting these together as videos that people will be able to see on channel four and we'll also be um, posting about them on our social media. So thank you.